Before we begin this week's episode of Crucial Connections, we just want to issue a trigger warning for topics of domestic violence, sexual assault, stalking, and more. Welcome to another episode of Crucial Connections. We are very excited to be back with you and bear with us this episode because we do have a lot of information. You might hear some papers in the background because we have stats and tips that are coming directly from the paperwork that is given to you on a scene if you're a victim from our victim services. So this information is extensive, but for a reason, it's important information and we are ready to share it with you. If you listened to last episode, then you know that January is Stalking Awareness Month. And so we're going to continue with that topic, but we do urge you to listen to the last episode because we talked about the definition of stalking and how fear is an aspect and just things to look out for. And then also the episode before that, we talked about the different types of battering personalities, which was a really, really good episode. One of my favorites, actually, because I felt like we gave out some really good information so I urge you to listen to that one as well. All of this kind of goes hand in hand with what we're going to talk about today. So we're, I'm going to start with some stats and then we'll go into some safety planning. And we have noticed that the word um can come up a lot. So we might start tallying ourselves to try to see if we can cut it out. But, you know, we're we're all kind of new to this. Yes. And so we're, we're learning as we go. We've said that before. So I have Myrna and Tanya here today. Welcome, everyone. So I'm going to start with stalking in the United States and a couple different stats here for you. So one in nine women and one in six men have experienced stalking at some point of their lifetime. Most common stalking tactics experienced by victims are unwanted phone calls, which is 75%, approached slash showed up, which is 57%, text emails and messages, which is also 57%, Followed and watched is 52%. That's a really high number. That's mm -hmm. scary. And 26% is sent gifts, cards, or letters. So stalking is a complex crime that often co-occurs with other forms of victimization, including sexual violence. Again, last episode, we did talk about the definition of stalking, and we definitely talked about how stalking can become other things, but also how harassment can become stalking. So all of these things really lead into one another and so when we're talking about safety planning and these tips it's kind of for all of those all of the above but mostly for stalking today so offenders may use sexual violence as a part of stalking a stalking course of conduct and recognizing this connection can help service providers and legal professionals provide more comprehensive responses to serve victims and hold offenders accountable so there are four stalking tactics, surveillance, life invasion, intimidation, and interference through sabotage or attack, which themselves overlap and build on each other. Again, fear being a key element of stalking, which is also a fear of sexual assault, is covered under most stalking statutes. So it is important to know if there is a fear of sexual assault when it comes to stalking or if it did happen due to the stalking. Yes. I'm assuming that, you know, with this, Myrna, you might know better than I do that it could enhance. Yes. That's so right. It can happen with family violence. It can happen with sexual assault. It can happen with uh, harassment. So all of these can be a component that it can enhance it when you're adding stalking to it. Which, you know, it should be. I mean, it's scary to it's think scary. about. Yeah. And on another note, I did actually receive a copy of a emergency two-year protective order for stalking. So somebody actually was able to prove that she was a victim of stalking, which is huge because that's very hard 
to prove. Yeah, which again, you know, keeping records of everything, documenting the things that, that we're talking about. When you see gifts, cards, letters, texts, emails, messages, keeping those things or photos of them with dates and times and that proves it. That's where the log helps a lot. And mm -hmm. that's why we provide that with our family violence information because you're going to have to repeat your story um, to either, see, there's one, sorry, to either, <laughs> uh, <laughs> either law enforcement or if you are trying to go for a two-year protective order, they need to know and have documentation of the different times things have happened. And having that log will help you also be able to, it's almost like a journal. You can write things out and you don't have to try to remember things at the spur of the moment because that can be difficult. You might miss some details that you needed to have them know. And we talked more in depth about the log last episode. So, you know, if you're able to go back and listen to that, I would. I think that the idea of a log is really good for any type of yeah. abuse. You just, especially if you're not ready to, you know, come and talk to the police yet. Maybe just logging the things as they happen. Yeah. Or even sometimes if you don't even feel it's happening, but mm -hmm. you get that gut feeling that something doesn't feel right, you know, put a day, put a date. The right. date is really important. Yeah. Just do like a voice memo in your phone or something. You know, this day at this time, I had a gut feeling, right? Thought maybe this feels a little wrong. Like, is this okay? Like kind of like you're asking yourself, but it's just a voice memo. And then one day you might go to the cops because, you know, something happens where you're like, no, I know for sure that this isn't okay. And you have all those voice memos or notes saved. And last time we did talk about there's a pattern. So mm -hmm. just remember, if you start noticing things, just keep copies of everything, take pictures, like Haley said, memos. And uh, Tanya was talking about just to help you remember things, write the dates, if you can, the times, the locations, things like mm -hmm. that, that is, it just helps because there could be, say, you found him following you or her following you at a restaurant. They may have cameras. So that could be video to help with the prosecution. What's crazy. And I don't know if you guys have seen this story because I feel like my, you know, TikTok feed and all that has a bunch of Taylor Swift, right? She's really big right now with that massive tour going on and dating that football player. She's been in the media a lot lately, but she has a stalker mm -hmm. that's been outside her home in New York. Yeah, They've arrested three times Keeps going back, and he gets out. And so, you know, stalking isn't just happening to one person or another. It could happen to anyone. Yes. So, and that, it's just scary to be a celebrity. I feel like people are always following you, paparazzi, all mm -hmm. that. You just never know what their intentions are, mm -hmm. which is why you just have to be vigilant. And like we talked about, I think it was last episode or the episode before. Don't mm -hmm. quote me on that, guys, about making sure people aren't following you home. Go to the police department if you feel like you're being followed, stuff like that. Last episode, yes, because we were talking about how... Um, just be hypervigilant, you know, mm -hmm. never go the same way. Pay attention to like your rearview mirror or to your side mirrors because sometimes you don't think about it. And oh, people often go the same route you do because they live in the mm -hmm. same subdivision or apartment complex. But if you notice it every time and they just keep following you specifically, the different turns, no matter what you do, that could be a potential sign that you have a stalker. And you might be like me where you don't really talk to your neighbors, but sometimes it's good if you do, because I feel like in this Taylor Swift situation, her neighbors are the ones calling saying they're yes. seeing him there because she's not home a whole lot. She's in the recording studio, all that sure. stuff. So, you know, that ring cameras, all that nowadays technology is so amazing. So, you know, if you don't have a ring camera, it doesn't mean your neighbor doesn't, so, so can still catch it. Um, so there's another one. That's two guys. 
So we're going to go back into those four stalking tactics. I'm going to start with surveillance. So surveillance is the most identified stalking tactic, and it includes watching and gathering information about the victim. Surveillance can intersect with, with sexual violence as a part of planning a sexual assault, monitoring a victim after a sexual assault, voyeurism, and more. So for example, the stalker could follow, watch, monitor online activity, access online accounts, use location tracking software and devices, like air tags, they could put an air tag in your car. An easy way we learned the other day is that you can go to your Bluetooth and try to connect to something. And if it pops up an air tag in the area, it's, it might be in your car. Mm -hmm. And that'll tell you that there's one in the area that you didn't know was there. So use your Bluetooth to, if you feel like, you know, because stalking doesn't always have to be somebody you don't know. It could sure. be an ex who has access to those things. So those are just like little technology things that help you. You know what that makes me think of? The TV show, the Netflix show, You. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's a perfect example how these individuals didn't realize that they were being stopped, that they were being watched. Mm -hmm. And you would be able to get into their home and, like you said, access things that most people wouldn't access because you don't think about not locking your computer down. Right. Or you don't have, you know, when you get home, you don't have a passcode on your phone, which is why would you? That yeah. kind of thing. So Let me tell you, that's that my beef with the show, You, okay? <laughs> So it's a good show, right? But it also gives people ideas. You know, right. all those shows can right. give you ideas on how to do things, but people idolize and sexualize that main character. Yeah. And it makes, I'm like, he is not a good guy, guys. He's a serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and their girls are all, you know, oh, he's so attractive. I'm like, no, <laughs> you know? That's so what happens with movies or TV Oh, absolutely. They, they make it seem like, wow, that's so romantic, but that is not romantic. A stalker is not romantic. Not at all. So other examples here, monitoring, monitoring, goodness, cannot talk today, what the victim does and whom they talk to after the sexual assault, create fake accounts on social media to monitor the victim and or hack into their private and personal accounts while planning. You know, that also comes with like, I would say catfishing and stuff too. They might be making these accounts just to talk to you and you not even know that it's them who's communicating with you. So during court, need to ensure victims have a safe place to wait in the courthouse away from the offenders. If the victim must sit in the courtroom, have a plan for someone, an advocate, or an assigned detective to sit with them to discourage approach by the offender. Leverage the courtroom setup to block the offender from seeing the victim and notify court officers and sheriffs of illegal behavior, i.e. recording in the courtrooms, restraining order violations, or any intimidation. After court, you want to work with the victims to ensure they have a safe plan for leaving court, which we're going to go into some safety plans after uh, I'm done with this paperwork here. If feasible, have an advocate or officer escort them. Ensure that if the defendant is not in custody, the court allows for a staggered departure of the offender and victim. So basically, they're not leaving at the exact same time and the offender does not have access to the victim. Mm -hmm. Follow up with victims regarding any protection slash restraining order violations after the court date. Ensure court advocates have information for victims for services victims can access to support their mental and physical well-being. Again, mental health, big, big thing. So especially in situations like this. And discuss the possibility of tort claims with victims, i.e. that they have suffered damages from these lawsuits for which abusers can then be found legally liable. Stalking through the courts is a method stalkers use to control, coerce, intimidate, and threaten victims. For more information on stalking and how to support victims and hold offenders accountable, visit stalkingawareness.org. Didn't know that that existed, so that's nice to know that that's there. We'll remind you of that website a couple times, probably. By the way, so 
our department, our victim services, we actually can accompany the victim to court. Um, what I like to do is we have the victim leave their vehicle here, mm. and then I will transport them to the um, courthouse. And then they, they usually know when we're doing, especially in a protective order, that we need to have them leave separately. So they're very good about that. And so is the district attorney's office. So just as an FYI, we actually do help with that. That's great information, Myrna. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, you would think not arriving in your own vehicle is a big thing, especially if you get a new vehicle and the offender doesn't know that you're in a new vehicle. They tend to look for the vehicle that they know the victim drives. And so they'll scan it in the parking lot. And most people don't think about it because they're like, well, I'm going to court. Nothing's going to happen. But you have to be vigilant. You have to be careful. So back to those four tactics, the next one was life invasion. So life invasion describes ways that the offender shows up in the victim's life without the victim's consent. Life invasion can intersect with sexual violence as part of a sexual assault, sexual harassment, non-consensual distribution of intimate images, which is illegal in Texas, indecent exposure, sex trafficking, and more. For example, the stalker could repeatedly initiate unwanted contact and communication of a sexual nature or about a sexual assault, repeatedly and publicly embarrass the victim by treating them like a sexual object in front of other people, like calling them slurs or talking about the victim's body parts, sending unwanted gifts, or leave unwanted gifts of a sexual nature, spread rumors, publicly humiliate them with personal information about sexual activity or assaults, and or impersonate the victim online to discuss or share information. So the next one is intimidation. Many behaviors are intimidating when considered within the totality of stalking behaviors. And with the victim and offender's relationship and history in mind, intimidation can intersect with sexual violence as threats of sexual violence or sharing sexual information. So for example, the stalker could threaten the victim with sexual assault explicitly or implicitly in person or online from themselves or a third party. Threaten family, children, friends, or others with sexual assault threaten to destroy property, harm pets, share or post sexual information, or sabotage the victim if they refuse to perform sexual acts. They could threaten to share intimate photos or videos if they don't do what the stalker says. And I mean, that comes from relationships and stuff too. I feel like that threatening of releasing images you may have sent the person or in the in stalking, maybe they obtained illegally. I think that's a big thing nowadays with social media and technology growing and growing you know, it is best to not send those photos in general, but if you send them to somebody you trusted and somehow it got hacked or sent to somebody you don't trust, that can still get posted. And it is not legal to post those without your consent. And I don't know if you know this in Texas, because I think it was what, the last two years that this became a thing, but it is also illegal for someone to send you a photo with nudity without consent in Texas. So if they send you a photo and you did not want it, that is illegal. I just feel like that's not common knowledge. I wanted to throw that Thank in there you. too. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. That's one thing that I, I was so excited when I saw that Texas had passed that because I feel like that's really important, especially as a female in the dating world. Sometimes you get photos you don't want and to know that, you know, the courts are trying to protect you in that sense. So I'm going to skip down here to the last one, which is interference through sabotage or attack. So stalkers may interfere in a victim's life in many ways, affecting everything from the victim's reputation to their employment and or physical safety. Interference can intersect with sexual violence, uh, sexual assault, or sexual harassment. So for example, the stalker could 
actually commit the sexually the sexual assault, sexually expose themselves to the victim, sexually assault a friend, family member, child, or other person close to the victim, steal photos or videos, share photos or videos, or other information with the victim's employer, colleagues, school classmates, or friends and family to disrupt their life. It could harass the victim, pose as the victim, and solicit sexual activity, sexually traffic the victim, or force them to engage in activities with others, and share or post intimate photos, videos, and or information. So I know that was a lot of information, but that is just a quick um, couple pages inside the folder that you receive when it, when it comes to stalking that just talks about how it intersects with sexual violence. So it like starts maybe as harassment becomes stalking and it could just lead into more serious crimes, even into physical abuse, sexual abuse. With what you're saying, Haley, it makes me think that, I mean, they could be professional stalkers out there. Oh, yeah. That do this. There I think so. That, yes. You know, if they have one victim and they don't go to jail, like there's no, just not enough evidence to put them in jail for it. They might continue to stalk that same person or they might move to another one. And yeah. uh, you see it with, let's just talk about burglaries here for a second. You see it with burglaries. If they get away with a few of them, they get more confident and they start to do bigger and more. But from what I've noticed in the crime scene field is they make more mistakes the more that they do it. So they might think that they're getting better at it, but they're still making mistakes that can get them caught. They become overconfident. They become overconfident. They get egos on it. So just know, you know, there might be people out there that have been to jail for it. Mm -hmm. And Williamson County and most counties, you can look up jail records. They're public information. Mm -hmm. If you're considering going on a date with someone, look them up online. Go to the public information, see if they've been arrested, what they were arrested for. And if this is one of those, I would stay away. Yeah, and I think that goes back to see something, say something. Oh, yeah. And what I'd like to stress a little bit, and we talked a little bit about this last week, is call 911. Yeah. I see a lot of people in my neighborhood, when they see something, they post it on neighbors, but are they really calling the police if it's that? Yeah. Something that, you know, could be very, very dangerous. So please do not hesitate calling 911. See, I struggle sometimes with 911 because I did that job. And so I'm like, okay, is this serious enough for me to call? And yeah, even for myself, don't want to bug them. And so you're like, is this serious enough? But it, you know, it doesn't hurt, like you said, to just check. I had my neighbors were fighting the other day, sounded just verbal for a while. And then I heard one of the people say, don't put your hands on me again. So I immediately picked up the phone and call. If I had not heard that, I don't think I would have called. But knowing that physical violence was involved at some point, I was like, I would want someone to call for me if I couldn't call oh, for myself. So, yes, absolutely. okay, well, those were the four tactics and how it intersects with sexual violence. So now we're going to move on to some safety planning and just general tips for victims. So general tips for victims, because this is really important because we don't always recognize things because we've never encountered it. So it's kind of like when you start a new job or you go and you, you know, start school and you have a new class with a new professor or teacher, you need to kind of pay attention to your, to where you are and who's there. So with general tips for victims, you need to trust your instincts. I don't think people understand how important it is to trust that gut because your instincts are going to, they're not going to fail you. It's kind of like when you take a test and you're like, I think it's this answer, and then you go up with another one. It's usually the answer that you have the first time. 
It's just the way our brain works. So remember that victims of stalking often feel pressured by friends and family to downplay the stalker's behavior. And we see that with family violence. We see that with sexual assault. We see it with a lot of different things. But stalking poses a real threat of harm. Your safety is paramount. So remember that your safety is what's important for us to be able to provide you that feeling of knowing that there is somebody there to help you, whether it's law enforcement, whether it's victim services, even if it's crime scene or dispatchers, because we really are here to try to provide as much assistance as we can. Call the police. We were just talking about that. So if you feel that you are in any immediate danger, explain basically why the stalker's actions are causing you to feel fear. Or someone else. You've or seen someone else, else be in an unsafe situation. If you a friend that you're wondering about and you have these questions, call. I mean, even if you just ask to speak to an officer, they can give you some advice and you can go from there. Keep a record. This is where that log is really important for documentation. And every time you have a contact with that stalker, write it down. Put a note, do a memo on your phone, do a note, wherever you need to do to keep that, that information known. Because think about the pattern that we talked about last, last week. And then save evidence when possible. So stalkers often use technology, which as it gets more advanced, they have ways of finding out things now more than before. Uh, so they use technology to contact their victims. Save all emails, text messages, photos, and postings in social networking sites as evidence of stalking behavior. You may also want to consider how to use your technology and your devices in a safer manner. Have a passcode. Use the, um, is it that uh, verification? Mm, two, like two-step verification? Yes, thank you, because sometimes that is what, that keeps that person from being able to go any further than they already are. And then get connected with your local victim services provider. So we are here to assist with as much as we can. And we can give you information. We have options for you about the safety planning that you may need. We talk about uh, protective orders. We can talk about other resources that are available for you. So please always remember that we are here 24-7 and we're here to help as much as possible. So we have stalking safety strategies. So stalkers can be very unpredictable and dangerous. So whether in person or using technology, stalkers use a variety of strategies to invade the lives of their victims. They might make friends with your neighbors, with schoolmates, with your parents. I mean, they have different ways with work colleagues, things like that. So just remember things like that, that they can be unpredictable. Most stalkers use multiple tactics and can escalate their behavior at any time. So just know that, you know, that it might seem innocent in the beginning, but just pay attention if anything changes, please. You have no control over the stalker's behavior and are not responsible. Remember that you are not responsible for what they do. This is on them, the same as family violence offenders, same as sexual assault offenders, child abuse offenders. You cannot be, you're not responsible for what they do. However, it can be useful to think of steps you might take to keep yourself and loved ones safe. This process is called safety planning, and uh, Tanya will be going more into that in a few minutes. Though victims can make safety plans on their own, it is often helpful to work with a trained professional, such as an advocate, victim assistance provider, or even a law enforcement officer. So if you need to find help, and we hopefully everybody remembers Leander has victim services, as well as other agencies, there's also Victim Connect, 
which can actually help you figure out where there are other victim advocates in your community. And the phone number is 1-855-4-VICTIM or 855-484-2846. The guidance below is intended for general informational purposes only and is not designed to replace a personal life safety plan created with the assistance of a professional. The suggestions below are not are also not exhaustive. You are an expert on your own life and you know best what options might be possible or feasible. And that's why we try to empower victims because we really can't tell you what is best for you to do. Only you know what's best for you and your family or for yourself or for your loved ones. So just remember that. So safety planning, the basic considerations. Trust your instincts. Many victims of stalking feel pressured by friends or families to simply ignore the stalker's behavior or just tell them off. Stalkers can be dangerous and your fear is justified. Your safety plan should evolve, change, and adapt as the stalker situation changes. As much as possible, don't only plan around what has already happened, also think about what might happen next. Consider or try to anticipate how the stalker may react to any changes you may make so you can further plan for your safety. Stalkers often escalate when the victim reacts. For example, if you block them on social media, they might start showing up at your home. Victims may balance their need to live normal lives with their concerns over safety. Only you can decide what trade-offs are realistic and appropriate for you. Here are some general safety strategies to consider. Working with a local domestic violence shelter or victim services, Notify the police. Ceasing any further communication with the stalker. Keeping a log. Varying your daily routine periodically. Telling your family, friends, and neighbors. And seek a protective order. So this is also for you to know is stopping communication with the stalker is very important. And it includes harassment um, because people don't realize that if you tell the person stop, calling me, stop texting me. It just adds to your um, ability to have the offense met and you can they can start charges for that situation. I feel like also changing your phone number even, like showing that you're taking the steps to yes. avoid communication. Yes, because a lot of times what they do is say, you still have the same phone number and you block one number. Well, they can get a burner phone or they can ask, hey, Fred, can I borrow your phone? I Mine is dead already, my battery died. So I need to be able to call my girlfriend, boyfriend, my friend, whatever it is. And so they'll do that and then they'll go to another friend and then they'll go to another friend and they'll just, they'll keep trying to call you. So a lot of times it is better to do that if you can change your phone number. So again, consider cutting off all communication with the stalker. Some victims feel that they should ensure the stalker knows that the contact is unwanted. If that is true for your situation, you may consider telling the stalker once and only once that you don't want any contact at all. After that, it is important to consider cutting all ties with the stalker, including not answering messages or calls. Some examples on how to express your desire for no contact include, I am not interested in having a relationship with you. Do not contact me ever again. Do not call, stop by, text, or contact me in any way whatsoever. I do not want you to contact me in any way. You continue to do so, or if you are on my property or follow me, I will contact the police. I am ending this relationship. I am not going to change my mind. 
Do not contact me again. I do not want to have any communication with you in any form. If you try to contact me, I will call the police and or take legal action. While disengagement is advisable, it is not always possible or realistic to cease all communication. And a good example of that is say it is a family violence situation or a marital rape sexual assault situation and you have children, you have that custody. Now there, there are apps that you can utilize that you can only text on that specific app about the children, nothing else can be done. And that's another good way if you need to have evidence of possible stalking or harassment to show law enforcement, that's helpful as well. Some victims feel safe by communicating with their stalkers to gain information on the stalker's moods and plans. Some victims must maintain contact with their stalkers due to shared custody of their children. It is important to understand how continued contact can impact an order of protection, and that is a very important and good point to make, or in a criminal case. So please discuss this with a professional who is assisting you with your safety plan. And now we're going to go to Tanya. Thank you, Myrna. Such great information, mm -hmm. some great reminders. And just for anybody, you, anything that you hear, please share. If you somebody starts talking to you about something and say, oh, I remember, you know, Crucial Connection yeah. talked about that. Please continue to share our podcast with them. Absolutely. Anyone in need. Okay. Safety planning for workplace and school. Stalkers may follow you to, from, or around the location. Contact colleagues about you. Show up. Contact you by phone, text, or email while you are at work slash school. Safety planning tips. Give a picture of the stalker to security and friends at work or school. Consider changing routes to and from work and school. Check with the school and your work too. I'm, you can probably talk to HR or admin and they may have some tips as well as who to talk to. And if you have a protective order, make sure to not only include it to HR uh, and your administrative personnel, but also take it to the schools. That way, if the individual tries to take your children out of school in order to get you to contact them or to see you, that's an important thing as well, because then they know that they cannot go to the school if you if they're not authorized to pick up the child. Have a colleague or security guard walk you to your car or your transportation. Consider changing routes to and from work and school. Adjust those hours when you leave, when you when you take a break, even. Um, yes, so hours are really important. Have a colleague or security guard walk you to your car or to transportation. We all live in Leander, and Leander is not a small town anymore. So not anymore. Please, please, let's all just be aware. Yeah, I feel like that's even at like stores and stuff. Like people don't realize they can ask the security there to walk them to their car if they feel like somebody's following them around the store. Excellent point. Thank you. Make sure your school or work knows not to provide your contact information. That is huge. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
and they will think of ways to get it, you know. Oh, yeah. Hey, I'm looking for Haley, you know, I'm her neighbor and she, you know, her dog's outside. Yeah. Although Haley's got, you know, her it, dog. Not every workplace is like this one that's going to be very vigilant and not giving out information. Correct. Correct. Um, okay. Let's see if you, and Myrna just mentioned it. If you have a protective order against the stalker, keep a copy of your protective order with you. Take a picture of it. That's probably your best option and provide a copy to security and or officials at your work and school. Documentation strategies, save again, save your voicemails, text messages, emails, work with building security to acquire any records, logs of the stalker, being present on campus at work. Sorry, that did not come out right. <laughs> Let me repeat that. Work with building security to acquire any records, logs of the stalkers being present on campus or at work. There you go. Much right? better, yeah. <laughs> Safety planning for home. Stalkers may follow you to, from, or around your home invade your home, damage your property, hack into wireless networks at or home devices, disconnect power, cable, internet services. Oh, that's right out of a movie, huh? Mm, <laughs> I was going to say. Do you see that? Send gifts or mail. Install cameras to monitor you. Oh, mercy. Okay. Safety planning tips. Inform your neighbors and or apartment managers about the situation. Provide a photo description of the stalker as well as a photo of the stalker's vehicle. Pack a bag with important items in case you need to leave quickly. Identify escape routes out of your house. Teach them to your children. Change locks and upgrade the home security system if possible. Documentation strategies. Consider installing your own camera, depending on your state law, to capture evidence of the stalker's behavior. Photograph evidence of property damage. All of this stuff, I know we keep saying it, but it's so important. Mm -hmm. Safety planning around technology. Okay, so this is where the stalker comes in. He, may, he or she may constantly contact their victim, phone calls, text messages, online messages. Track, monitor through GPS. Somebody mentioned that. You were you mentioned yeah. that earlier, right? Spyware and or social media. Yep, we've talked about that. Impersonate victims online, for example, creating fake profiles, hacks into accounts. Yeah, how many times do you see um, on Facebook? Oh, yes. That somebody's friend requesting you and it's like, wait a minute, I'm already friends. It just happened to my mom. Like it, it's a, a post they're making now. It's like, look at this video and you click on the link and it'll, don't click on those links, please, by the way. And I'm texting my mom, mom, you got hacked, hurry up. Right, <laughs> right. Somebody does it. Yeah. yeah. And, and people do. You're mm -hmm. right. Quickly. It's like, Hey, I just got some from you, you know, mm -hmm. I think you're being hacked. Yeah. Get in there and delete it and all, all right. that. Yeah. Um, Share, let's see, we're okay. Share private or personal images with others. I'm not sure what that means. Share private or personal images with others. The stalker oh, might. stalker's mind. Yeah. Okay, now, okay. <laughs> mind had to change the channel in my head. Okay. Film or photograph the victim without their consent. Okay, so these are things, keep in mind what I just talked about is what the stalker may do. Okay. Then for you, your safety planning tips. 
update passwords to accounts frequently, change answers to your security questions so that the stalker is not able to reset your password or gain access to the account. Yeah, real important. Adjust default settings on your phone, apps, and websites so that your location is not automatically shared. Do an internet search on your name to make sure none of your personal information is posted by others. If you find information posted about you, notify the site's webmaster immediately and request that that information be removed. Yeah, you're out there. We are all out there, guys. Mm -hmm. If you search yourself, Google yourself. Yeah. Yikes. Yep. You come up, your, you know, uh, misspellings of your name come up, maiden names, everything, every address you've lived at. So please just check yourself in, you know, in case you feel something's not right. Okay. Don't give out your online identification information. If the stalker has access to your phone or computer, they may be monitoring what you do via spyware, key logging software, or other means. In the case, in this case, a stalker can see any changes that you make. You may want to use another safer device, for example, a friend's phone, the computer at a library, acquire a new device if feasible. Documentation strategies. Take screenshots of all texts or internet communications of the stalker. Consider apps that can assist you in taking screenshots or long text conversations. Get a second camera to capture messages and or photos that disappear or might notify the sender when a screenshot is taken. Get a phone record from your phone company to demonstrate the frequent calls. Keep track of the stalker's behavior by writing down every incident in this documentation log. And I think this is the one you gave. Is this the www.stalkingawareness.org? Learn, learn more of the NNEDV safety net. You said this is in your folder. So you would receive this information as well if, if by any chance that you happen to become a victim of this. Thank you. Yeah. Hotlines and live chats available to connect to your local resources. Um, again, a lot of email addresses that would be included in your uh, the information that victim services here at the Leander Police Department. Um, we are available to you, like Myrna said, 24-7. Uh, documentation log, same thing. Sorry, I'm just kind of going off. Yeah, it's going to okay. be a lot of same things just because yeah. safety planning really is... Oh mostly all kind of the same type of tips, but it just depends on, is it safety planning for home? Is it safety planning for work? Just think about the different areas, but the tips, like you said, they're, they're pretty much the same. Yes. And if you need additional information, you can feel free to contact me at mjohnson at leandertx.gov. And I can give you all of the um, websites to go to, but we do have helplines in the U.S. only. So you have Victim Connect, which is at the National Center of, for Victims of Crime. You have Cyber Civil Rights Initiative Helpline. This one is something I just found out about because it's not something that I've seen very often, but it's for victims of non-consensual distribution of intimate images, also known as revenge porn, recorded sexual assault, or sextortion. Then you have the National Sexual Assault Hotline, the National Domestic Violence Hotline, National Death Domestic Violence Hotline, because we don't always think about 
those individuals that have uh, that are able to hear. Then you've got the Strong Hearts Na Native Helpline, so basically for Native Americans. The Network La Red LGBTQ Hotline, Love is Respect, womenslaw.org. Then you've got the NIWAP Directory of Programs Serving Immigrant Victims. For privacy and online safety resources, you've got the Address Confidentiality Program, which is through the uh, Crime Victims Compensation through the Texas Attorney General's Office. That's a really good program that um, we do assist helping victims fill out the paperwork, and then we have to up, we have to basically do it every three years. And so that's how we also make a good connection with those who signed up with the program because it's usually the same person who does it. So uh, then you've got Apple's Guide to Device and Data Access when personal safety is at risk. That's the great thing about smartphones is you have a lot of uh, information that you can gain to help you if you feel that your um, devices are being utilized and it's going to be harmful to your safety. Then you've got the C.A. Goldberg Law, Victims' Rights Law Firm, Clinic and Tech Abuse How-To Guidelines, Coalition Against Stockware, Cyber Civil Rights Initiative, and TAB, Internet Privacy Handbook. National Cyber Security Alliance. And I know this is a lot, but this is just to kind of give you an idea. If anybody really does want more information, please, again, just contact me and I'd be more than happy to get that for you. Then you've got safety check on iPhone, tech safety app. And then you've got for stalking investigations, preserving evidence and or prosecution. Now we do have Axon, so the officers can actually send, send you a link and you can download your evidence or they can take pictures with their uh, department phones and they'll be able to download those as well. And if the link expires because you just didn't get to it as quickly, you know, as you thought you might, which happens, of course, if you're going through something traumatic, sometimes things slip the mind and they can resend the link. So don't think that yeah. because it expires that, that that's it. You can't do it again. Then you've got a Equitas, International Association of Chiefs of Police, Cyber Center, search.org. How to Gather Technology Evidence for Court, National Council of Juvenile and Family Court Judges, Coercive Control. You've got HSCADV Online Training, Responding to Stalking, which really is not going to be something that you all would necessarily utilize. But if you've ever thought about volunteering with victim services, this would be kind of a good way to get a little bit of training. Stalking victims and survivor stories. So this one is really important. If you ever really want to know about real life stories of individuals who have gone through stalking different things, these are some really great survivor stories. Outrageous stalking mini documentary series. It's a set seven mini documentaries that give a voice to women who have been stalked by an intimate partner and the professionals who have worked with them through their effort to seek justice and safety. Then you've got Strictly Stalking Podcast. You can also listen to them, but take us first, please. <laughs> <laughs> do both. It's okay. Yes, you can do both. Spread the love. Yes. Uh, but Strictly Stalking is a true crime podcast that starts before others. At the Stalking, each week hosts Jamie Beebe and Jake Deptula. I'm so sorry if I butchered those names into unique stalking cases, interviewing stalking survivors, advocates, and experts. So that really would be a great one to, to listen to. Then you've got Promise of Protection. Bernetta 
Cockerham's husband made good on threats to kill her family when he stabbed to death her teenage daughter, Candace, in 2002. Travis Long's short film highlights this devastating story. The murder of Jackie Vandergrift. This 2021 episode of CBS 48 Hours highlights a tragic murder by a known stalking offender. She did the right thing. Dateline NBC highlights the case of Lauren McCluskey, a college athlete murdered by her stalker in 2019. Also see the Lauren McCluskey Foundation, which honors Lauren's legacy by supporting charitable work in her name. The last one is Real Fear, Real Crime, the Peggy Clink story. Produced by Lifetime Television, this 18-minute training video for law enforcement was created in response to the murder of stalking victim Peggy Clink by a former par partner. So these are just some interesting things that you can um, watch if you really do want to get a little bit more personal information on victims of stalking. So we just wanted to share those with everybody. And remember that you can download this episode to your phone. So, it, you know, if it went by a little fast and there's just a lot of information that you're hearing. You can download it. You can clip the clip, the audios and save them into separate videos. You're like, okay, this is the documentaries I want to watch. Let me just clip that part and save that for later. And that way you can hit play and be like, okay, there's the title. I now, now I remember it or write it down in the notes in your phone as you're listening right now, kind of rewind a little. And write down the things that you, you know, that you feel are very important to you in those stories. And I feel like true crime podcasts, there's so many out yeah. there. And, you know, I didn't even know that they had a stalking I one. I, there's a bunch of murder ones, great, of course, yeah. right? There's uh, small town murders, one that I listen mm -hmm. to that goes into murders, like in really, really small towns. And they make fun of the offenders and stuff. So there's like a little bit of funniness to it to kind of lighten the topic a little bit but I didn't know I never heard about that one so that's interesting yeah it's funny how we're all so passionate about law enforcement and what we do to help the community we leave here and I go home and I know first thing that comes on are crime stories or oh you know, gosh yeah not anymore for me so yeah. I used to like I used to fall asleep to forensic files which sounds so bad right I was like oh let me just put this on so I can go to bed right to forensic files which is just basically how cases were solved specific to forensics so very interesting and then as soon as I got this job I'm like that's the last thing I want to think about when I get home you know I do this all day long I'm on call all night long and so I watch like reality okay so I'm trash <laughs> yeah I mean it's kind of like doctors like they don't go home and watch ER shows probably maybe they do in the beginning maybe they did before <laughs> yeah and like I said I still listen to some like murder podcasts so it's not all the time but Sometimes you get burnt out and so you just kind of avoid it. But also, if you are a survivor of stalking, please feel free to reach out. We would love to be able to share your story. Yeah. It doesn't have to be where you're, that anybody hears your voice. It could be through an email and we would be happy to read your story. These are important things for other individuals to know that they're not alone and that there is, there are other people who have actually gone through this and went from being a victim of a crime to a survivor of a crime. And that is really important to be able to share that information. For sure. And the one thing that we want to share with you guys too is something that we learned about today, which is a Texas nonprofit that is fighting social isolation with unusual but successful strategies. So basically they are looking at how to eliminate social isolation and hopelessness in different ways. You know, one, they talk about a, a success story in this paperwork here. 
about a woman who was a widow and she was isolating at home. Her fence was broken. Her yard was a mess. And, you know, she got with this partners in hope and they helped get her yard fixed and a new washer dryer. And she, now she's involved at her church. And so this is a faith-based nonprofit. Doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be part of that faith. But if you are having like those feelings of hopelessness and social isolation, then they have different groups that you can talk to and different things to help you out and kind of get you out of those situations because hopelessness is is a really bad thing. And we talked about that. If you go back and listen to Tanya Glenn's episode where she was here talking about mental health, you know, I feel like working in this field, suicides is one of the top things that I go to and see. And that comes from things like hopelessness. You feel like there's there's no hope and there's nothing left when that's not true. But you're not able to see that without help sometimes. So just know that things like that are available. Partners in Hope is in Texas, in Central Texas, but also talking to therapists and counselors. Yes. And one more thing about Partners in Hope. Thank you very much for sharing that, uh, Haley is we hope to have them on our podcast as well. Absolutely. I would love for them to come on and, and talk more about this because all we have right now is this, you know, this two-page paper here mm-hmm. that talks about the success story, which is really cool to read. I know, Tanya, you brought this to our attention. So thank you for that. Absolutely. And I read through this as we were recording and, you know, it's, it's really cool to see because sometimes you don't know you're there until you're like deep in that mm-hmm. hopelessness. Mm-hmm. And it's almost impossible to get out of it by yourself. You need that help. Mm-hmm. So places like this that are nonprofit, like it's really, yeah. it's great to and have. Partners in Hope are, is actually a great organization for the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, they service, I know Leander, Cedar Park. And Lake and, Travis. And Lake Travis, but um, I'm going to share my story with them. So uh, during one of the storms we had a couple of weeks ago, the wind blew and I lost shingles on yeah. the roof. And it's like, oh no, how do I, who do I go to? Where do I get help? And I saw something, Partners in Hope. And I sent them a quick um, contact me and they reached out to me. Luckily I had um, my son's dad came and rescued and helped me put the shingles (laughs) back on the roof or put new ones on. But um, yeah, it was great that they were there. And that's how, um, her name is Susanna. I'm going to say your name on here. Um, and hopefully we'll get her out here. Yeah. And absolutely. so we just started talking and I told her about the podcast and this is how easy information we can, you know, all help each other. Absolutely. I mean, if you guys know anyone too, please reach out to Myrna M. Johnson at leandertx.gov because we would love to have more people on who can share things like this. And like Myrna said, share your stories. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think that it is so powerful to hear it from the person that went through it. I remember, I think it was, it was like an award ceremony where um, some of our, one of our officers was getting an award for being very vigilant and helping victims of crimes. And we had a kidnapping victim mm-hmm. speak and tell her story. Yeah. And there you could hear a pin drop in that room. Everybody was silent, just hanging on every word she said. Yeah. And that reminds me when we did our training for the victim's advocate to become a victim's advocate, we had uh real life people come and talk about some of their stories as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I would love 
personally to see some of that on the podcast too. And so, like I said, reach out to us and let us know what you want to hear as well. We're we're open to ideas. We're excited to continue this in January. Like we said, it's stalking awareness month. And as far as we know, February doesn't have an awareness month. So maybe we can make February a good, uh, have some people on all February long. um, Yes. And don't forget it's mjohnson at leandertx.gov. And just remember that there, there are a lot of people out there and a lot of different kinds of organizations that really do want to help and they're not asking for anything in return and there's nothing wrong with asking for help. I know it's something that's difficult for most of us, but just know that that's what they're there for and you might make some new friends, some lifelong friends, and it gives you the opportunity not only to be able to share your story, but possibly hear of others that may have been inspired by what you said or they see the possibility of them being able to go, as I said before, from a victim of crime to a survivor. Absolutely. And right before we close up here, I just want to remind you guys that if you listen to this episode, but you didn't listen to the last one, please go listen to that where we introduce Stalking Awareness Month to you guys. And the one before that, where we talk about the different signs of battering personality, because those signs can combined not just one sign but seeing like four or five of those signs can lead to a very dangerous situation and I feel like it had a lot of good information in it so and if you ever want like a more descriptive or maybe uh some examples of those battering personalities please let us know we'd be more than happy to do that I've been helping people for a very long time and I have a lot of stories that I can share uh without names of course so just remember that we're here to help you find new resources, to find new inspiration. And um, thank you so very much for listening. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you, Please subscribe to this podcast because then you will get notifications when new episode drops, even if we forget to share it on the, the PD Facebook page. And please rate and review it because that helps push it out to more people who might need to see these topics. And then also just share the link with friends and get it out there. We, we definitely want to hear from you guys in those reviews, positive or negative. Just let us know how it's going. And I think we only had two umps. I mean, I, I didn't count fully the whole time, but it was very low. Well, I think my umps come when I start, when I get excited. Yeah. When I'm telling a story, so reading not so much but we'll see what on playback i'll see how many it was but I, I think it was less than five so i think we did really good we'll do a count on our next podcast so <laughs> yes. how many and then that could be a starting something new right, right exactly now. so until next time thank you guys bye everybody. thank you